Hi there. How you doing? Welcome back to the Die Hard Minute. If you couldn't tell from the name, we have the movie Die Hard in our sights, and we promise not to hurt it. Probably. I'm Pete Mummer. Oh, God, I'm Tom Taylor. Oh, don't hurt me. <laughs> I'm uh, Terry Porter. <laughs> I'm Dave Powell. So what are you doing up here? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was you got me all flustered, Tom. That was really good. Pretty good. <laughs> How do you think I feel? Pretty yeah, tricky, that accent, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> we're joined once again, if you uh, hadn't noticed, by Reverend Dave Palace, the host of Five Minutes of Mystery, and uh, coming up with uh, the legendary Sean German. He's going to be doing Groundhog Day Minute. Welcome back, Dave. Oh, man, thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah, yeah. And today we're talking about Minute 92. Minute 92 begins with John McClane asking Hans how he's doing and ends with the two of them discussing the roof of the building. And... This is. Can you can you do that again, actually, Tom? <laughs> oh God! Oh, you're one of them. So good. I'm an American. <laughs> I got so many notes. <laughs> but that, that that sounds to me so much like a line from a first-person shooter video game. Oh wow! I, wow. And Dave, actually, you sent me a link to the video game, and that I mean, they put that in the in the game. But it's funny because uh, this whole scene sort of plays out like a first person shooter, like their conversation, and it's it's a strange kind of little scene here. Yeah. So I sent it to you, and as soon as uh, I got the minutes, I said, "Oh, you know what? I'm going to reinstall it. I'm going to play to this scene. I'm going to record it. It's going to be really fun." And yeah, this game came out around ninety eight, ninety nine. Um, and it was a pain in the butt to try and play back then. It was glitchy. And even with a Windows 10 computer, it could not, I could not run. Like, the sound, everything was rushed. Uh, to anyone who actually plays a lot of games, I swear I try to run, like, every compatibility mode on Windows 10 uh, under administration. Uh, every form was like, oh, put this patch in and then take your graphics card. You have to uh, limit to 60 frames or else the video will cut. And I did everything. Oh After spending God. an hour and a half, I realized, you know, the minutes I'm covering is literally just a cutscene. Let me just YouTube <laughs> this. And then like, and yeah, and all it is is that your, your character, the whole time, the whole uh, the whole game is uh, follows the movie directly, Nakatomi Plaza. Um, the, the, the gist is that anytime there's a scene with John, you are John, so you actually never see the character. You are the character, so everyone's talking to you. Mm-hmm. And you reenact the entire movie, um, plus extra fluff scenes for a video game. So, like, you're going to kill, like, over 100 terrorists in this game because they got to fill the level with things to do. And, like, the main terrorists become, like, bosses. Hmm. So that, that, that's how they balance it. Um, but, yeah, in this scene, like... You run up, and what's great is that you never see Hans in the video game. All the cutscenes are from either your perspective or like over the head, so they don't even show you in the video game what Hans looks like. Oh, so, so when you, you actually see this meet guy him, here. yeah. You they actually get to, you get to role play as I've never seen this guy before, and he's worried. And now you're like, oh shoot! And it says like, and so in the, the video game they add an extra thing where it's like Al's like John, how you doing? And he's like, good. I think I found a hostage. Like I, I don't. He's like, I don't know what to do now. He's like, you gotta take him to a safe place, John. You can't let that hostage die. And so you're like all worried. And then you, the next level like essentially takes you word to the the Bill Clay conversation. Huh. And uh, and like yeah, the, the 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 running of through the glass and like your health is constantly going down. <laughs> like yeah, glass is just everywhere. And you're ah, oh man. What's that? Tommy. What, what that that 
that impersonation was great. And I'm trying to figure <laughs> out what accent is Hans channeling here. It's Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. It's, Col- <laughs> right? it kind of is. it's Columbus, Ohio, right? Yeah. It's, it's a, like, like like Indiana's a little too far uh, a little too it's far. It's got a little west. too much twang. Yeah. yeah, Indiana has a little too much twang. And this is like just this is plain it's what I like to call plain deer. Uh-huh. <laughs> right down the middle, like Midwest. It's not East Coast. I mean what yeah. what what is it? It's like it's uh, the it's the accent that any British guy like I remember uh, when I was a kid watching Monty <laughs> Python and that was the first time I heard I fully understood what the American accent was because Monty Python was doing an American accent Eric Idle was doing it and he's like uh-huh. a movie director and he's like you know it, it'll be a it'll be a big penguin with blood that goes psh in slow motion and it's like everything's like really like just exaggerated and like all these really hard R's and everything and so yeah it's, uh-huh. it's, it's the That's... it's the American American accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, you know, Hans does an amazing job acting here until, until. Do you guys know what line? Oh, it's, what? It's second thirty-seven when he says, "I was just trying to get up on the roof and signal for roof. help." You know. <laughs> he gets. He throws a. Oh. You know, and you're like, "Oh, he's starting to crack." Like <laughs> the, the, you know, is a dead giveaway that he's actually lying. But you know what's incredible? He's not just acting with his voice. He's acting with his hair. Like sometime <laughs> oh, yeah. between yeah. when he was up looking at the things and landing and, and this whole thing, like his hair got like real friendly, like real soft it's all that fluffy steam. and friendly. Yeah, it was all that steam that got in it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But like I don't remember <laughs> like seeing the transition. I think like at the end yeah, of the last minute he was like, you know, yeah. slick back and cool <sighs> yeah. and maybe slightly disheveled. But now he's like full like... No, yeah, I'm the kid down the street. I got a slingshot. Go yeah, the impact of the jump, like reshuffle the hair. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> do you think? I mean, do well, you think I, I read that, that, Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Jay. Well, I'd read that they actually didn't rehearse this scene so that it would play out very spontaneously. Oh, weird. That's funny. It, uh, right. It's fascinating because Hans does an amazing job until the you know up on the roof, uh, you know, and you're like, ah, he's starting <laughs> to lose it. And I, I wondered, like, has he studied this acting technique? Hans, oh, you know, Hans or, is a... yeah, or or like like for him, was he like okay, you you really get inside a Chase Bank branch manager, <laughs> like that's who you are now from Columbus. Uh-huh. Really right. be uh-huh. him, be the Chase Bank manager, you know. So I don't know. Maybe he got a few tips from his brother. Oh, retconning it. Hey, oh. <laughs> Um, all right, so I so I I rolled this back. I listened to the John McTiernan's commentary, and then I read. And then they had uh, an overlay of text of of um uh. Then they had I had Steve had Steven D'Souza's uh, commentary, and then they had Alan Rickman's commentary on this scene. So Steven D'Souza says that. When they were writing, and before they really started filming the movie, they still were working on ha- how John and and uh, Hans were going to meet. And mm-hmm. originally, the script just had um, the first the early drafts just had John was just going to meet Hans at the end, right as you see with, with Holly and everything. It was mm-hmm. the first time they come face to face. And Steven D'Souza says, "No, it's like it's just voice to these two guys." Um, he says, "I want them to." He said, "Quote fall in hate." He says, "I want." to make a real backstory with these guys that not only do they hate each other on the radio, but they seen each other, they've come in contact with each other and they didn't get them. So they try to work on a way for them to both meet and not immediately kill each other. So yeah, he said he heard Alan Rickman was playing with 
saying that he could try to do a Western California voice, and he <laughs> liked it, and brought the idea to producer Joel Silver, and Silver was like, "All right," and, and McTiernan was like, "Okay, if you can, you know, work for work it for us." And so then Steve Souza uh, went back, wrote it all up, and and uh, and wrote the scene out. And so Alan Rickman says that like this was actually his first shot of the film, and so. When they said they wanted him to do his accent, he said, "Okay." They said, "Oh, they said we want you, we want Joel to hear it." So he had to go over to producer Joel Silver. Joel's like, "All right, kid." He's like, "Hit him, you know." Or I don't know, kid. I don't know how old uh, mm-hmm. he was. Like what, forty at this point? So they're probably like both in the middle age. He says, "All right, buddy." He's like, "Hit me with the accent." And Alan Rin said, "He says if I didn't, he says if he worried if he didn't impress Silver right then, he would just be fired on the spot because it'd be easier probably just to get another actor because um, he hadn't filmed anything yet." Mm-hmm. Um, it was still. This is still early in the film where uh, the f- shooting they hadn't done Takagi's yet. So Stephen D'Souza told McTiernan that we could still write it and work the scene so he doesn't see Hans's face. Um, and so because he was really excited when he ha- he saw Bruce acting these scenes because Bruce had has had this brooding anger that like John was not was not planning for this for a hostage to not only escape but try to lead John around. Because, like, John was, has all this, at this point, has everything planned meticulously for how he's going to survive. And this is something he wasn't prepared for. Um, McTiernan, on the other hand, is very grumpy. He does not like this accent. He said he tried to film this scene, like, three or four times until he just settled. And in the commentary, he's like, if I had my options, I probably would have had just somebody dub over these lines in a better accent. And then he, and he's like, yeah, by this point, you could probably do it on a Mac. I was like, wow, McTiernan does not care. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> he, he was like a grumpy old man. He's like, yeah. people say they like it. I, I could still hear the English. I yeah. I, I don't like how, how Alan moved his mouth when he talked for these <laughs> accents. <laughs> like he was really salty about it. But but yeah, so we so we have these guys, these characters meeting, and I think it's Hitchcock that defined tension as like two guys playing cards, but there's a bomb under the table. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh, so yeah. like, like the bomb blows up, that's action. But if, like you see the bomb, and they don't, um, that's the tension. That's the thing is like the, the, the audience has the most information that the FBI yeah. doesn't have, John doesn't have, and Hans right. doesn't have. Well, that's what's I mean, and, and we get to in later minutes is like so everybody knows who everybody is here. Except yeah. we know we're sort of yeah. kept in the dark, and and what's interesting is is uh, you know John McClane pulls out his best like his protective cop instinct here. He's like, "I'm not mm-hmm. gonna hurt you," <laughs> you know. Yeah. He says it twice, and you're like, "Okay, so he has that side of him that we see." He's like the tough New York cop guy, like you know, hey, you know. But then he has this whole like you know put put his arm around you you're okay he, he even says at the end of the minute like uh, you know if you want to stay alive stick with me come with me if you want to live yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I and I think that's what it is I think John is John yeah at first and first second thinks it's a terrorist and he's not going to blow him away because I think it's in one of the deleted script lines right before uh, in the other scene where the glass shooting scene happens. I think he said, he might even say in the video game where he says, I'm going to trade you for my wife. So the idea would have been that like, if he, once he confirmed it was Hans, he was going to let them know and like give Hans back to the terrorists just so him and his wife could get out. Like that was his idea. Mm -hmm. So I can't blame him for being a little selfish. This is not his jurisdiction. He doesn't spend the whole night killing terrorists when there's police (laughs) and FBI outside. Yeah. 
So like I I can't blame him for that, but yeah, it's like he's yeah, like, that well, would have been I kind don't... of interesting actually. Yeah, <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah, yeah I, that would have been just kind of a different movie, and it, uh, yeah, Merry Christmas, we got out of there. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what's gonna happen to those, yeah, those they hostages. They they get yeah they get Argyle out of the garage and they just drive away. Yeah, would have been fascinating. Um, yeah. Uh, so. So this, so what I was, so I was reading more is that this also affected costumes. Apparently, that uh, later in the film, about halfway, like right after, um, kill, right around killing Ellis, uh, Hans would have uh, changed, taken off his uh, dress jacket, and would have put on a more tactical vest. Mm. And for the rest of the film, he would have had this tactical vest on. And so they said, "Oh, you know what? No, keep the suit on, so you know he doesn't know if he's a hostage or not." And so that so that yeah the tactical vest thing never happened. Uh-huh. Um, there was another scrapped idea where um, John would have known earlier, but he wouldn't have told us. He would have told Hans later that he knew he was a, a terrorist because that uh, Hans was wearing the same watch that he killed other terrorists with. But there was a scene that was going to be filmed, and, and McTiernan said he didn't feel like doing it. Whereas right in the beginning. When the terrorists are all moving around, taking over, they do a close-up of synchronize the watch bit, and McTiernan was like, "I don't want to stop the movie and like have a close-up of like let's look at watches while we're like just meeting these guys. I don't like it." So they got rid of that prop and that little plan. So so we get to play with like John kind of slowly trying to play that chess game with uh-huh. with this guy trying to figure out who he is. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I do agree. It's like it's like I'm not going to be led by you. I, there's guys on the roof. Like we're we're going to go to my safe place. Well, and then I'm gonna, then I'm going to figure you out. Like then Hans runs to get the gun. He's trying to. He's he's like no up on the roof. Like the the wind is up here up on the roof. And he runs, what appears to be sort of, I guess in the direction of the stairs. But to get his gun. Like is he running to get his gun? He's going to get his gun and and he stops. He stops because yeah. John McClane yells at him. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. But but uh-huh. is that what he's doing? He's running to get his gun, and oh, he's God. like going to yeah. pull the gun out and just shoot. Yeah, McClane. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's still pretty risky. Or is he running yeah. to get the gun to yeah. hide it? I I guess to get to hide it, but yeah, it's like John's got the gun on him and is staring at him. It's like you can't get the drop on this guy. He's got more bullets than you, right? And right. he's like, wait, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But as far as uh, as far as Hans knows, McLean is thinking that he's an innocent, you know, uh, hostage who got away. So mm-hmm. he wouldn't be expect. Like I don't know why Hans stops. I don't know why Hans doesn't just keep running and then grab the gun and then do something with it. Like he, he's not thinking that 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 McLean is ready to shoot him. At this I guess point. he has to. He's trying to play. He's trying to play to like. I guess he realized like, I can't I can't push it like I have no better yeah. as a hostage I have no better argument for why I, sh- I should keep going when this yeah. guy says they have people on the roof like what do I say to that oh I'll uh, I'll fight him off mm-hmm. <laughs> right. oh, and this guy's got a machine gun pointed at my back yeah <laughs> well you know I was thinking McLean managed to get out of there quote you know as as Hans uh-huh. says you know I managed to get out of there. So mm-hmm. McLean actually managed to get out of there, out of the hostage right. situation. And so he knows what it took. And he's sitting there all barefoot <laughs> and, and beaten up. <laughs> yeah. So d- does he believe or would he believe that this Chase branch manager would actually have what it takes to get out of there? No, that's why I think he's also well, he is also suspicious still. Like, I think you're yeah, I think you're right. I think he knows 
how that's impossible. It's just, at uh-huh. this point of the game, it's impossible for a terrorist after Ellis, and like he doesn't see, he doesn't see it, but he but every you know he probably assumes everyone heard because I heard on the radio everyone just heard Ellis get executed. So mm-hmm. like like for a hostage to try and get away is impossible, and also an immediate death sentence. Uh huh. So I think that's another. But that's the thing is like I can't just shoot a I can't shoot an unarmed guy. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. So I got t- and I and I don't want to and I don't want to play games here because I got a blonde guy running after me mm-hmm. who wants to who wants to you know shoot me up in a million ways. Yeah. So he's like, I'm going to take him to a safe place where I can figure this out. I can't play this game here. And that's what it is. I feel like John's nervous because he's like, I don't feel comfortable now in this. I don't know where this guy got here, how he got to the roof, how he got past everybody. So, uh, yeah. Um, is is, is it me or, or does the set yeah. from minute 91 and 92 look different? Oh, interesting. Hmm. Yeah, oh. The, is I, I'm not saying it is. It's just I don't know. Maybe the way they were shot, it looks a little different because he's in '91. Well, he's uh, Hans is going up the stairs. Uh huh. Right. Wait, like is it? No, well, he's he's climbing that little climb, thing yeah. between the two. He's sco- climbing between two metal okay. containers. Hans is on the other side of the room, so yeah. he's on the other side of the room. Yeah, and he he climbs up there on the side. He puts his guns down, climbs up the side, and then j- for some reason he jumps away rather than to- toward his gun. Um, hmm. so he must have, for some reason, had a better angle of jumping the other direction. It was just going to walk around the, the, the heat generator things and then, you know, runs into McLean. Well, well you know, so one, of, to- one of the things we talked about, j- just about Die Hard in general, a couple of general questions, um, that we had on our earlier installments is, is specifically for you, Dave, do you like explain to me because I had a hard yeah. time swallowing this one. Why is this a Christmas movie? The Christmas movie is um it's similar to the reason I I have why it's a western where it's it's about a man trying to regain his touch with his family. Mm. It is about a guy trying to sort out his demons and his demons are I'm too married to my work. I, I ignore my family's needs. Um, I I can't compromise, and uh, my life is my personal life is suffering for it. I'm, um, you know, he so he's like he's like I'm a I'm definitely a worse off guy. And then when he admits in his lowest point is that you know she's heard me say I'm sorry, so I assume when he says I'm sorry, it's hollow apologies. And or no, he says I heard he said, he heard me say I love her. A thousand times she's never heard me say I'm sorry. So it's a guy saying that, oh, I love you, but it's a it's a it's a hollow statement because he's not backing up with the reason why she's upset with him on whatever this situation is. It's because he's sorry, he's wrong, he's not he's not learning any of his lessons. And I think that's what this movie is helping him uh, learn his lessons of uh, of uh, uh, of gaining yeah of gaining his confidence uh, to to be able to reason with his wife. It's like he needs to get he needs to get the crap kicked out of him to realize what's really important is uh is his family. But, he, but is, is, he thinks I'm just going to show up. I'm just going to macho my way into my wife. Right. And right. Uh, I'm going to get to see my kids on Christmas. But I mean, could we uh-huh. have the same film with it being around Arbor Day? Uh I think yeah. But mm-hmm. it would be it wouldn't feel as impactful because it's a man alone on Christmas. Mm, okay. I think I think it's a feeling that you wouldn't feel 
uh, until you're like really done with the movie. Like you've obviously never been alone on Arbor Day. <laughs> <laughs> I just got these trees, but no hugs. I've been hugging a tree. <laughs> um, that I mean, that's something that we wondered because everybody associates this with Christmas. And I look, I dig it. Like they show the movie on Christmas, but some of that's like, well, that that's a little Pavlovian. You're like, well, just because they show it on Christmas, and so you get used to it watching on Christmas, and then you associate it with Christmas. <laughs> it's not like a Christmas story or Frosty that is like that's clearly Christmas. Yeah. At least that was my contention. You know? Okay, yeah, but you, right. know, you don't you don't accept Gremlins as being a Christmas movie. No, well, Gremlins is a Christmas movie if you. If Christmas is in hell, that's what Gremlins is. Um, it is for Pete. I say, I mean, I can, in a weird way, in a, in a very weird way, I can say this film has the same ideas as uh, as uh, It's a Wonderful Life, where it's that it's it's that greed is the enemy, and that he has a second chance at life. He. Uh, he learns what's really important. Mm. So for him, it was his job, and that he couldn't, he couldn't stretch it. Which, and, which, and, and, let's let's be clear. Before a wonderful yeah. life, I mean that's uh, Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol, right? Is that yeah? Gr- well, gr- no life, greed, right? Greed is okay. Is, yeah, okay. is the problem. So you get a second yeah. a, a second chance in life. Ebenezer mm-hmm. Scrooge, what are you talking about, Tommy? No, but that's not It's a Wonderful Life, though. Oh, no, no. I was just using the, 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 okay. the sort of the, I mean, the moral of the, the royal, the yeah. royal screw. He's not, yeah, he, obviously our main character isn't faced with greed. He's yeah. faced with stubbornness, mm-hmm. but he is, he's facing uh, opponents who uh, will kill for greed. So it's uh, an evil capitalistic thing. And it's, and it's, and it's also, like, I think it could also be because of just how it, it vibes with just the Reagan era where it's this very nationalistic. We got all these foreigners. We got these Japanese coming in and they're, they got their better products that are cheaper. We got these Europeans coming in. You know, I, I, I talk with Euro trash, you know, you, you have this, yeah, uh, the, uh, all, all these foreigners. And what's really important is the family, the homestead, the ranch, the, the lack of, uh, uh, the government FBI getting involved in these matters because they're just mm. flubbing things up. It's, I think I feel like that's it's like a perfect cake batter. Sure. Well, the, there's there's one other question here. Convince okay. me, convince sure. me, and I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying make the case. Sure. Why is it important to have Argyle in the movie? Argyle in the movie is important because he represents an audience. Um, he represents the audience that can't do anything because mm. there's only three people that have uh, CB radios, the police, the terrorists and Argyle. <laughs> so Argyle is another focal point of information who cannot communicate that to the rest of the characters. He can't tell John that, uh, that the police are coming in. He can't tell, uh, he can't tell John because they have two, it's like they have two different radios. It's like they or, or the um um because the, yeah the the, uh, the terrorists have the CB band so they can hear everything the cops are saying. Um, oh, and also the uh, actually no the uh, what's it called the um the um the newspaper reporters uh, Dick Thornburg he's got he's got a CB radio too because that's where he picks up on the he picks up on the police band. So I think that's what it is. It's another person who has uh 
uh, information they can't do anything with. And also, it's you get you you get a perfect POV of the last the last piece of the terrorist plan A, which was, and we escape in an ambulance. Hmm. Huh. All right. I, hmm. l- listen, you've passed. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have your PhD as <laughs> your dissertation. That was the only two Thank questions you. we had. Yeah. Thank you. No, I no, mean, it was great. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, no, I've been, I've been, I, I can trace this back as far as fourth or fifth grade. Um, wow. So I was about 10, I remember, watching commercials for Die Hard and not knowing what was going on, but being excited by the commercials. And so I was like, I, I'm a self-taught diehard in movie man. My my dad's a he was a music geek, so he, and he, so he didn't get to, he didn't like watch a lot of movies. And I think probably the Indiana Jones films and I think the Star Wars films, uh, we might have seen some of them at the like second, third rate like dollar movie theaters that were like in around town. I because I remember watching Temple of Doom. And I remember, like, enjoying the film, but when they got to the final bridge scene and it was bright daylight, um, I saw all the soda smears that people throw stuff at the screen. <laughs> and it, like, detracted from, like, the, the, the tension of the scene because you see, like, you know, Indy and you, and you, and you, and you see, you see, um, what's his face? Uh, uh, the guy, the, head, the, the main guy of, of Temple Mulder of Doom. Mulrock. And you just see, like, just smears all over the screen, and it's just like, oh, it's disgusting. But, like, I think that's probably where I saw a lot of my first films in theaters, was those theaters. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, uh, I I just remember in fifth grade, we had to write a story, like a short story, like a hero story. And I remember something about John McClane, like, eating, he had to eat burgers or something to stop bad guys. Because I obviously I didn't want to write about <laughs> him shooting terrorists. So I was like, I got to censor myself. And it was something about eating burgers to save people somehow. I forget how. Uh-huh. But uh, that's as far as back as I could trace, like, my memories on, on Die Hard. So I must have probably watched it, like, originally, like, on the TV, the TV cuts. Uh-huh. And then eventually was able to ask, like, for, like, the ultimate collection for Christmas or my birthday or something. Nice. Oh, very good. So, um, yeah. What else well, do we have? Yeah. I got. I got a few more notes. What do I got? Um. Uh, oh, that that's uh, that's what it is. Yeah. There's a there is a deleted line that that is in the trailer. I remember it's in the trailer for this movie, but it's not in the final cut. And it's Hans like realizing that he's American. So I guess he's trying to play the character that still doesn't know he's like. The character that the Bill Clay character asks, "You're you're an American," so it's like maybe him a character not believing that he's not a terrorist. Uh-huh. But but the but the, the the line is, "You're you're an American only if New Jersey counts." And like Hans has like, and I think it's like he like it's like I think it's what his final faces we have in this minute of this like confused look is uh-huh. that is like is it is it answer to that like the braggadocious line of that. But it's such a stupid line, but I'm glad he does that. All of New Jersey counts. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all I got. Yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah. I'm, I think, I'm good. yeah, I think I wrapped up everything I need to say. There we nice. go. Cool. Well, thanks, everybody. Uh, Dave, if people want to hear more of you, uh, Five Minutes of Mystery or Groundhog Minute, where where, where would you send them? Yeah, um, for right now, yeah, if you want... If you want me... Uh, you want to listen to me talk about uh, Ben Stiller and Hank Azaria and... Uh, five minutes of mystery.com. Um, and I'm also on Twitter at five minutes of mystery. 
And if we haven't killed ourselves by then, uh, Sean German and I will be working on a Groundhog Day Minute. And I don't, I don't want to give out the details of the webpage or anything yet, but hopefully by then we've, we've plugged our show enough online that you know where to find us by this time this episode comes out. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Yeah. And if you're, uh, if you're on Facebook, you may have already seen some of their uh, We're just friendly doing reminders. That. Yeah. <laughs> Doing the same stuff every day. Isn't it so fun? <laughs> and if you would like to find more about the Die Hard Minute, you can follow on Twitter at Die Hard Minute. On Facebook, you can go to the Die Hard with a podcast listeners limo paid, paid group. Paid group. Or you can go to the main site, dieharddminute.com, and find all the episodes and about all the hosts and guests. And you can join us back here tomorrow for another episode of the Die Hard Minute. Here on the Die Hard Minute. Wait, wait, wait! You, 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 God! Get to the roof! Jeez! It's kind of Jimmy Stewart. Oh, jeez, guys! Tell me you got that? I got it! I got it! Hit your heart on Channel Five. <laughs>